0: test studio times podcast episode 10 yes we've reached 10 episodes already where we are here to remind you that spiders are not insects they're arachnids i'm joined by only one person tonight because of my schedule you can blame me it's all my fault uh pete volk is here hi pete how did you enjoy the first weekend of college football
1: i was busy for me uh but you know it was a lot of fun we got a hail mary yes Uh, we did i mean actually my my colleague matt brown who is mormon Uh, For those that don't know, it was BYU who got the Hail Mary against Nebraska. Uh, He called it the, the Hail Joseph. Um, which I think is just terrific. He won
0: Twitter on Saturday. He did. Yeah. That was a brilliant, brilliant tweet. And, just, and he tweets it right before that, yeah. the play. Yeah. So it, he, got, he timed it pretty well. We're going to focus on one team, though, and that was your Maryland Terrapins, who beat Richmond 50-21, to although, trust me, there were some nervous moments in the stands with the student <laughs> section, which was very crowded at the start of the game, but by the second quarter, there was almost nobody there. But that's a Maryland tradition, so I can't really – uh, fault that but Pete you were up in the press box what were your general impressions of Maryland's first game of the new season
1: actually I was scheduled to be in the press box but a late audible had me uh, watch from home
0: ah uh, good
1: but Alex uh, was
0: in the press box and he Alex was
1: uh, my you know it was it was solid you know Maryland wanted to win the game by at least three touchdowns I think is probably a safe goal and they did that um, you know, it was shaky. It's the first game of the season. You saw a lot of teams around the country have a little rocky start. But I think that there are some reasons that you can point to some of the symptoms behind Maryland's rocky start and uh, maybe have a little more cause for concern.
0: We're going to – we'll get to some of those. Uh, and and based on Maryland's performance, which was by no means the worst that we saw in the Big Ten, let alone the Big Ten East, I think Maryland's – I think the perspe- uh, The uh, the victory and the performance is put into perspective. But let's talk about why some people are a little bit skittish about Maryland right now. And that was because Perry Hills did not set the world alight, did he? Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you do. Uh, they weren't all that great.
1: Yeah. And yeah, the they perform- were,
0: and the performance outside of the numbers also wasn't really that great.
1: Yeah, I mean, his final numbers like look okay. He was twelve of twenty-one for one hundred thirty-eight yards and two touchdowns with one interception, but that really doesn't tell uh, much of the story at all. Most of his success, I mean, like most of his completions came within four yards just in terms of little passes, you know, the two most successful plays or two of the three, I would say, in terms of offensive passing plays were the two fly sweeps that Maryland ran with Laverne and Tavon Jacobs. That was an incredibly successful play. And I'll have more on that on the site later on in this week. Um, But that's a Bob Stit play that Maryland, uh, you know, put into play a little bit last year, but I think especially with the weapons that they have at wide receiver and the limitations that they have at the quarterback position, that could really be something that would help, um, get their playmakers in a position to make plays. Um, but in terms of Hills, you know, the, the question that we had going into the season uh, was, you know, kind of left over from when we last saw him in 2012, which is does he have the arm strength to be a Big Ten quarterback? And uh, it didn't didn't look like it. Uh, I mean, there's a chance, you know, Randy Edsel has clearly been confident in him in camp. Uh, he, it, by his postgame comments, it certainly sounded like, That was not the Perry Hills that played uh, throughout camp. That was not the Perry Hills that won the job, and that's what made it sound like he was maybe trying a bit too hard, aiming instead of throwing. And so, you know, maybe there is some first-game jitters. He is a redshirt junior who has started six collegiate games before, so you would hope there wouldn't be jitters, but it has been a little bit. So uh, it may have been some rust. I don't know, but uh, just looking at it, he had nine incompletions, and six of them were underthrown. Mm Um, one was a drop, but like there was a significant pattern of, of Perry Hills under throwing the ball. Um, in terms of deep passes, he threw only four passes the entire game that traveled more than 15 yards in the air and only completed one of them. And that was exactly 15 yards away. Um, he had a couple of passes that he tried throwing from 40 yards away and missed badly on both of them. Um, including one interception. So really, uh, you know, the only place in terms of, you know, moderate to great distance that he succeeded was he did a, a pretty good job throwing to the left hash about 10, 14 yards out. From that distance, he was 3 of 4 for 61 yards and a touchdown. If you couldn't tell, Matt, I charted the— I, I,
0: I know you did.
1: I know you uh, so did. We'll have more on that throughout the week. But, you know, I find it interesting looking at his distribution. I mean, it's clear— that he struggled with the deep ball, but it's also clear just by his success throwing, you know, some of those curl routes to the left side, like, for example, the touchdown pass to Malcolm Colmer, which was one of his nicest throws of the day, um, was, a, a, I believe, a curl route to the left side, and Colmer was able to beat his man off the break and just take it to the house. So that was a nice throw from, from Hills, um, but otherwise, you know, not, not the best.
0: He did overthrow one play. Uh, There was one pass he overthrew through the back of the end zone, as I tweeted, but later deleted because I clean up tweets because I'm self-conscious.
1: Actually, I counted two overthrows. Two? He had nine incompletions. One was dropped by Amba Edital. Yes. Two two were overthrown, and six were underthrown.
0: Well, the overthrow I'm thinking of was right through the back of the end zone in the second quarter. Absolutely. And I I think I mentioned that it was the first time I have ever seen Perry Hill as... Perry Hills overthrow somebody. I never, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen that before. Uh, it tells you what we, we think of him otherwise. Um, but, uh, I mean, it was his performance and Maryland's performance was buoyed because this was one of the best performances by Maryland running backs we've seen in quite some time. Both Brandon Absolutely. Ross and Wes Brown were fantastic. Uh,
1: Brandon he, Ross had a career game. Even uh, Ty Johnson, true freshman yes, Ty Johnson he did. came in and ended up outgaining Wes Brown, who had been playing like the whole game. But, like, just looking at the final lines, Brandon Ross had 150 yards, Ty Johnson had 83, and West Brown had 74. Uh, I mean, Maryland just ran the heck out of the ball. They, they ran over 300 yards as a team, which hadn't happened in over a decade, I think, maybe two decades. Um,
0: Surprising and, with who was that quarterback
1: recently. Right. And so both Ross and Ty Johnson uh, averaged 8.3 yards per carry. Yeah. Um, So, you know, we're talking about the running backs a little bit. With that, I think another uh, player who who impressed for me was Shane Cockerell, former quarterback, uh, saw quite a bit of time at fullback, and I think he did a good job blocking um, out of the backfield uh, and, you know, opening up some room for for Ross and Brown.
0: That was – a former quarterback recruit is now playing at
1: fullback. Oh, boy. (laughs) I've gone. (laughs) And, hey, Brandon Ross didn't fumble. That was actually That was the big thing we were looking for. You know, fumbles can happen against any opponent. And uh, that was his big problem with last year. And we had said all offseason, you know, if Brandon Ross can cut back on the fumbles, he can be one of the best running backs in the Big Ten. And sure enough, 18 carries, 150 yards, one touchdown, and no fumbles. That was fantastic.
0: His touchdown run where he was just able to get around the edge and then uh, the burst once he broke.
1: I'm actually watching it on repeat right now.
0: When he broke around the corner, I was like, that's yeah. the Brandon Ross everybody wanted to see.
1: I and made if, a gif of it for a, for a post later this week, so y'all will y'all will be able to see it. We're going to break down that play.
0: And we're going to watch it a thousand times, most yes. likely. If that's the Maryland running game that we're going to see now, it's, it's Richmond, so we have the caveat in there. But if that's the running game that we're going to see throughout large segments of this season, Maryland doesn't have to throw the ball all that often to be successful. And they right. can win games by just handing the ball off now that you have three running backs that you're confident in.
1: Yeah, you have three running backs. Etzel talked about how he liked what he saw from Ty Johnson as well. I mean, the plan is still to have Brandon Ross and Wes Brown be the main two guys, but I would expect Johnson to get some play. I mean, they didn't burn his Richard for no reason. Uh, they expect him to play a role, and, you know, it was very encouraging to see kind of the uh, explosiveness that we saw from him in high school translate pretty much immediately to the college level. Um, like you said, it's against Richmond, so uh, there is some – uh, you know, point of hesitancy there. But it is worth noting, Richmond is a top 20 FCS team. I mean, that's that's a good level. It's not automatic that, like, every FCS team is worse than every FBS team. There are plenty of FBS teams that Richmond would beat. And I think Maryland fans would agree that, especially in the first half, Richmond looked like a good team. Um, you know, they uh, even before Seth Fisher, their main running back came in, he was injured for the first half. Ja- uh, Jacoby Green was doing a tremendous job running the ball. I felt that their quarterback, Loletta was making good decisions out of the pocket. Um, Maryland was up against a prepared team that was good but overmatched and they took care of business and like you were saying if Maryland's running game can continue like this if you know we'll talk about the offensive line in a second I'm sure yes Uh, but the you know if if this is able to continue where you get Brandon Ross and Wes Brown in space and you're able to pair that with the fly sweep which I think is a Terrific pairing because you have two very physical downhill runners in Brandon Ross and Wes Brown uh, alongside two very uh, agile, speedy guys in Laverne and Tavon Jacobs. And if you can get those guys the ball on the outside, you know, especially that one, the first touchdown that Laverne Jacobs scored, you saw that Richmond's defense shaded heavily over towards the center so that when Laverne Jacobs even came in motion, the cornerback that was supposed to cover him didn't even move. And so as a result, when Laverne got over to the right side, Maryland just completely outmatched them in terms of blockers to defenders. It was a beautiful play. Again, we're going to talk more about it this week because it's like one of my favorite plays in football, and Maryland uh, worked it perfectly. And so if you're able to combine those two elements, you can probably get by against a lot of teams without a vertical passing game. Uh, When you go up against some of the tougher Big Ten defenses, it's going to be difficult, but it can be done.
0: It can be done. And by the way, those FBS teams uh, you were talking about that are worse than FCS teams, hi, Kansas! Yes. Have, we, have you ever seen a game end the way that one did? Just as a quick aside.
1: Uh, yeah, for those that don't know, uh, Kansas fumbled the snap trying to, to spike the ball with three seconds left. And so as a result, the clock didn't stop and the game ended um, as they were driving to try and beat South Dakota State. It is worth noting with all that, specifically with Kansas and how badly Charlie Weiss screwed over that program, that South Dakota State, um, you know, FBS schools are allowed 85 scholarships. I believe the number for FCS is 55. And Kansas has less scholarship players than South Dakota State. Oh, oh, oh. So that was not necessarily an upset. Let's put it that way.
0: Uh, it could al- And remember, for Maryland fans, it could always be worse. As I had to remind freshmen who were sitting behind me, uh, <laughs> during the second quarter, I sat through Maryland 7, William & Mary 6 in 2012, my first game ever at Bird Stadium. That's the worst football game I've ever seen. But let's not digress too much. I want to talk about why the wide receivers pretty quickly. They, again, when you have a quarterback that isn't throwing the ball all that often, they can't have a, many chances to make an impact. But uh, somebody tweeted, I think Alex did it. Uh, no surprise that Perry Hills likes throwing short passes to a freshman wearing number one. <laughs> that was very disorienting seeing somebody not named Stephon Diggs wear uh, number one. Uh, it was your boy, DJ Moore. He, he, had, a a, he had a couple of
1: catches. He uh, had a really good game, I
0: thought. How, how much are we going to see? Because, again, you have four guys presumably ahead of him. Uh, how much are we going to see DJ Moore? Because that was uh, more
1: than I thought we would see him in this first game. So, in terms of targets, um, four Maryland receivers were targeted at least three times. Laverne Jacobs led the way. He was targeted five times. Um, but then, three players were targeted three times Amba Editow, and then the two guys that I had picked as potential breakout players, DJ Moore and Avery Edwards, um, the freshman tight end who had. You know, previously committed to North Carolina, he saw some action as well. So Maryland's using the tight end a little bit more in the offense, it appears, which makes sense given Perry Hills' skill set. Um, but DJ Moore, I thought he did a very good job of getting into open space. He caught two of his three targets, 23 yards, um, got into good position to, to get major yardage, first downs, and I, I think you can expect to see him play a pretty major role in Maryland's offense. You know, there's a there's a place to step up with Stephon Diggs, Deion Long, Juwan Winfrey, Marcus Lee, Jaquil Bay, et cetera, all gone. Um, and, you know, Laverne Jacobs, I think, is going to be the number one guy. I think that was kind of established in the first game. He only ended up catching two passes, but he was targeted more than anyone else. But I think in terms of who gets the receptions after that, it's going to be a mix of Moore, Editao, Colmer, Tavon Jacobs, and Avery Edwards.
0: Did, we did see tight ends, not named Avery Edwards, catch passes too. That was it, that was something we didn't see last year.
1: Yeah, it was just Derek Hayward. He caught one pass. Well, um, it's more than but he was last in there a lot. Yes, but it
0: was. And Matt Furstenberg, if you didn't see it on the in the TV broadcast, if you weren't at the game, he was the guy who was at the top of when they do the Maryland State flag tifo thing. He was there. He was also one of the honorary coin toss uh, guys. And as I also told freshmen, that's the last Maryland tight end to catch passes. Because it's true. true. Uh, let's talk about the offensive line. It's not the full-strength offensive line. And, yes, they are going up against Richmond. So, again, proviso. They're not going up against Joey Bosa, which they will at one point this season. But they did play solidly. Perry Hills, I don't think he got sacked. I, left I don't him like
1: think a, he, he did not.
0: Okay. And the running game, obviously, we already talked about it. So, grade the offensive line's performance with the caveat it's Richmond.
1: Oh, I think it's an A+. Plus. I mean, like, you know, it's yes, it's against Richmond, but, like, There's only so much you can do, I guess. Maryland's offensive line did everything it needed to do in this game, so it's hard to give it anything but an A+. The run blocking was incredible. Andrew Zeller as a pulling right guard and Mike Minter, the former walk-on who started at left guard, both did a fantastic job occupying space in the middle, clearing way, um, especially on that Brandon Ross run. I mean, it was incredible to watch because you saw Maryland had a six-man line. Derek Hayward was on the left side. And basically, they had uh, everything squeezed to the right, and then uh, just clogged up the defensive line so that Evan Mulrooney and Andrew Zeller could get to the next level, block some linebackers, and uh, and some safeties, and that worked. You know, uh, there was a lot of cohesion. I mean, it looked like a much better unit. Uh, and the big thing, you know, like we just mentioned, nobody got sacked.
0: Yay. That's, that's
1: huge. Perry Hills came into this game with a, 13, was a yeah, 13% was yeah career sack rate, as in he had been sacked on 13% of dropbacks in his career, which is very high. Yeah, it's, it's very great. high. So it was, it was very comforting to see uh, that, you know, Richmond, their strength was on offense. So there's only so much to, to take away from that. But, I, you know, Maryland did its job, and that's all you can ask.
0: Let's talk about the – let's get to the defense now. The one player uh, I noted – that was so good from just, again, the weird angle you have at the student section if you sat at Bird Stadium there, was Quentin Jefferson. He had two sacks, but he was so good. And Keith Judzinski had talked about his versatility, and the coaches talked about his versatility and how important he's going to be uh, in this 4-3 transition. He was fantastic. Again, it's Richmond. The entire defensive line was really good, too. Uh, but, if again, proviso. It's Richmond. I can't say that enough. But if the Maryland could get that kind of performance from its defensive line as the game wore on, it got better. Uh, that's another plus for a defense, for a unit that lost so many critical players. Yeah. to Injury or graduation.
1: So as I'm writing this piece out, just like kind of examining the different angles from this Richmond game. Um Probably going to spread it out into a couple of posts throughout the week, but currently my section on the defensive line is titled Pray for Christian Hackenberg.
0: (laughs) Yes! Very good, sir. I'm impressed. Dwayne Haskins is also impressed.
1: Yeah. Well, for those that that didn't see, uh, Penn State lost to Temple Saturday. Um, That was the longest active winning streak between two programs in a series. Penn State had beaten them 34 straight times, dating back to 1941. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so that's humiliating for that program, especially one that like prides itself on being quote unquote unrivaled like that just with a fan base that just talks incessantly about how nobody is their rival. Um, because you know, all the in-state teams are inferior and blah, 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 blah. And there they go and lose. But the the biggest thing was that Christian Hackenberg got sacked 10 times against Temple. Temple, (laughs) Temple has a good defense. I mean, like they should, They're probably going to be an American competitor for that conference. But, like, it's still an AAC opponent. Um, And there's no reason that a Big Ten offensive line should give up 10 sacks to an AAC defensive line. Um, And it was particularly bad and particularly uh, memeable caught on on the Internet because on 3rd and 15 passing situation, Temple dropped 9, rushed 2, and sacked Christian Hackenberg within like three seconds. Oh, it was so beautiful. It was, it was embarrassing.
0: It was no, no. Well, if you're a Penn State fan, but no Penn State fans listening to this, it was beautiful. It was. Beautiful. I have many friends who go to Temple. Some of whom might be tears listening. Of joy. Uh, I have many friends who go to Temple. Some of whom may be listening to this show eventually. Uh, they know who they are, and I'm texting with them during the game. Like, is, is this real? I cannot believe that I'm seeing Penn State do this again was hilarious, and, and yes, Dwayne Haskins already is a Maryland legend
1: for just yeah. going out. Yeah, ready. he tweeted. He tweeted some things about the the fan base. And uh, uh,
0: I, I, I said he was a Maryland legend for uh, without even setting foot on campus, and that got retweeted ten times, including. Uh, yeah.
1: Him. yeah, I saw that. Uh, uh, but him. But back anyway, to the, back to the defensive line. Um, yes. Why, why it's titled that is because. I think you brought up a great point. Quentin Jefferson really looked like he adjusted well, moving inside from end to tackle. Um, but the bigger takeaway for me, and I guess it shouldn't be a surprise, is Maryland's terrifying pass-rushing duo of Yannick Ngakwe and Jesse Bonham. They just, I mean, they've gotten better moving from linebacker to defensive end. Uh, those aren't the two that are on top of the depth chart. and Ngakwe is, but Bonham's listed as a number two on the opposite side. But Maryland, thankfully, decided to use them both at the same time and just Richmond's quarterback, Loletta, he is going to have nightmares about those two for years. Um, just, they were in the backfield constantly and we tracked our quarterback pressures in the game. Jefferson had two, um, which is fine for a tackle. Yeah, two Annie, sacks. Uh, Annie Bonham had four, uh, pressures and Ngakwe had seven, um, which is just an extremely high number. Um, so that, you know, they just looked so good uh, going off together, and it's really hard for me to see. You know, Penn State has a very good defense. The, the reason that I'm talking about this game isn't necessarily because of the, the rivalry that goes into it. Uh, though oh, it is oh, oh clear, trust
0: me, it's part of it, and uh, I, I it think is, Maryland football f- players themselves are starting to think it if they didn't think it already after last year.
1: It is, I think, without question that both fan bases have strong feelings about the other, and we can leave it at that. But what's also clear is that this is going to be a very important game for both teams in terms of their 2015 season, just because both programs or in both teams right now seem to be at about the same level, which is honestly teams that are hoping to get seven wins yep. um, and compete for third place in the Big Ten East, because Ohio State and Michigan State are by far the top two, and then everyone else in the Big Ten East kind of sort of looks like garbage, Maryland included.
0: Feeding and on table scraps.
1: Yeah, and that's that's fine. I mean, like, this was not supposed to be the year for Maryland, but what it does mean is that Maryland could somehow finagle its way into a second straight third-place finish in the Big Ten East. Oh, they
0: could finagle their way to a better record than they had a year ago. <laughs> it's
1: just crazy. I, 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 mean, I, I, I don't know
0: how that's possible.
1: It's, it's, you know, caution against taking away too much from Week 1, yes. but Penn State last season – The offensive line was the thing holding the team back. I mean, Bob Shoup is one of the best defensive coordinators in all of football. His 4-2-5 is one of the best schemes in the country. But the offense, you know, a lot of people give Hackenberg a hard hard time, and yes, he's playing poorly, but that's because of the offensive line. Christian Hackenberg is an immensely talented quarterback, but it's clear that even when he doesn't have a pass rush in his face, he's looking over his shoulder all the time, and that's not his fault. I mean, he, he plays with one of the worst offensive lines in all of football. And Penn State fans throughout the offseason talked about, you know, they lost Donovan Smith, who was the starting left tackle, who went to the NFL after his junior year and uh, brought in a Juco All-American and a transfer from somewhere. And Penn State fans were like, oh, it's going to be magically fixed. Everyone else is like, "Um, is it, though? And the answer was a resounding no, it isn't.
0: Uh, they, they, Penn State fans like to drink a lot of uh, n- uh, blue and white Kool-Aid. I'll just I'll just say that. Let's not talk about Penn State anymore. Let's talk about Maryland. Uh, quickly on the linebackers, it falls a lot into the, the pass rush, which was great. And they got better stopping the run as the game went on. Anything of note about the linebackers you want to mention?
1: Yeah, I think the most active tackler in the game for Maryland was Jermaine Carter. He was um, good. Which is what you want to see from, from an inside linebacker. Um, he, he had a good game. Jalen Brooks was active on a few plays he had. The one play that you'll remember from Jalen Brooks in that game was the pass thrown directly at him that he and just he put dropped. his hands up and it just <laughs> drops. So, like, that trend is continuing for Maryland. Alex talked about how, like, on average, a team intercepts one out of every five passes defended. And Maryland was below average on that last year, which, again, there's a possibility of a chance that that just means Maryland has bad hands. But, like, thinking of the talent level that it takes to play at this level, it's more likely just bad luck. Um, And that happened again. Maryland defended six passes against Richmond and didn't intercept a single one. Uh So that'll turn around eventually. And uh, maybe that'll be against Bowling Green, which we'll talk about. Yes, we Um, will. But, uh, oh, I actually wanted to say one thing about the offense. I'm going to sidetrack it.
0: Please do. This has been sidetrack the podcast.
1: Yeah. So, like, uh, I think a lot of the big questions were, without C.J. Brown, what's the offense going to look like? You know, is, is it going to be mostly the same principles as we saw with him? Are they going to adjust to a different quarterback? And there was adjustment. Um, I More than I expected. I, how, would, how many would you guess, Matt? How many read options did they run in that game?
0: I left after Maryland went up 35-14, to 14, so I didn't watch the last basically quarter of the bit of the game. So I'm going to say maybe four or five. That's just what from what I can remember.
1: They ran it three times. Okay, so I was close. Yeah, you were close. But the point is that, like, you know, it was a staple of the offense last year. And they had talked about, Maryland coaches at least, that the offense wasn't going to be all that different. But um, it is also worth noting, because I am a person who loves the read option. It's a great football play. Um, It worked every time. Yeah. Uh, he twice gave it to Brown, once Kept it himself, and it averaged ten yards a carry. So it's still a part of the offense; it's still working. But they're relying a lot more on under center. Yeah, of the I, six- that
0: was a huge thing I noticed. I never, I can't remember the last time I saw Maryland line up under center
1: as many times as they did. Maryland had sixty-nine offensive plays, and seventeen of them were out of the shotgun.
0: That's amazing. It, it's just college football. The we're going to run up uh, two plays
1: every thirty seconds. College
0: football out of the shotgun, and they.
1: But it it makes sense. I mean, you have two power running backs. You have two fullbacks who can both block out of the backfield. Um, You have an offensive line that looked good in that game. And you have a quarterback who is, you know, better suited for shorter passing routes. I I think it's a very good adjustment by Mike Loxley. um, And, you know, they just need to see the passing game improve for that to be a little more effective.
0: Here's a scary thought just for you, Pete. Maryland is turning into Iowa on offense. Now I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding.
1: Iowa had a good game, too.
0: So. Yeah, they did, uh, against a better FCS team than, uh, than Richmond. Anyway, uh, in the, let's, the secondary, okay, screw talking about the secondary. Let's just talk about how awesome Will Likely is, because he is amazing, which kind we can,
1: of— We uh, can rope that into the secondary. Because yeah, we have
0: to, but uh, Likely didn't have the, the best game in the secondary. There was the he, one play he lost.
1: He, he did. You were wrong. He, did, he I will, did. I will tell you about that in a second.
0: Uh, but can we just talk about him on on special teams? Because yes. I never thought I'd say uh, Maryland doesn't miss Stephon Diggs in special because he was so electric
1: okay, turning well, I and kicks. Okay. I don't know if y'all remember. There's the controversy of like, is Stephon Diggs or Will Likely going to be Maryland's punt returner? I
0: do remember that, but
1: the thought was, you know, Stephon Diggs was the more explosive punt returner, uh, playmaker, but Will Likely was the better punt returner, um, and uh, you know he showed that. He set the Big Ten record for punt return yards with 233, which is 12th on Maryland's all-time single-season list.
0: <laughs> and the, uh, didn't Steve Suter once return punts?
1: I think Steve it- Suter has the the, the Maryland record um, with 770 in a season. We love you, Steve, but your record's probably going to get broken. Not only that, the FBS record in general, which was set in 1948 is 791 yards, which means <laughs> oh that Will likely, Will likely is on pace to break the FBS single-season punt return record in three and a half games. That's amazing. But the it's problem is heavy. no one's gonna no one's gonna kick to him ever again now. So uh, like he, no he well, they tried
0: He's that good. on kickoff. Richmond tried that on kickoffs and he still got the ball a ton. So
1: Yeah, I think when you're at the FCS level, there there's a little bit of a talent drop on uh, Twitter, that's true. so you might not be able to to do that so much. But yeah, Will Likely was fucking incredible. Sorry for the swearing, but I mean I'm honestly, not censoring it, that. Yeah, it's hopefully it's we true. don't get the explicit tat on iTunes, but anyway. It's true but he like, he is the reason that Maryland won, I think it's safe to say, because with how the offense was struggling, I mean, Richmond could load the box a bit because they knew Maryland was going to run, but Maryland started with an average field position of their own 47. They were basically at midfield every drive to start, which means that Maryland only needed like two first downs to be in field goal range. And so Brad Craddock kicked a lot. He missed a few, unfortunately, but he... He, he got
0: college kickeritis.
1: He had a lot of kicks, but it was mostly, you know, it, when you're a college offense, and when you're a college offense without a vertical threat in the passing game, uh, you want a shorter field so that you can score points. And Will Likely granted that for Maryland, as did the Maryland defense, which caused a lot of three and outs. But it was really Will Likely, who I think, I mean, I don't, I don't know what that game would look like without him. Uh, but he had an incredible game. And then just quickly, defensive backs. Um, the one thing, AJ Handy had a horrible play. Um, which I'm sure everybody saw where he just got turned around on a deep ball. Uh, that is not good for your four-star starting safety, who's finally like turned into a starter his senior year. Uh, he had a few you know, tackles throughout the game, but he really can't be doing that against teams that aren't Richmond. Um, Anthony Nixon made a few tackles. Sean Davis looked fine at corner. He uh, even blitzed a-, a bit, picked up some pressures. But as usual, it was Will Likely, who was the star. I mean, he basically the only time that richmond richmond has two all conference wide receivers and one of them is probably going to play in the nfl and will likely shut down both of them whenever he was on them they could only throw to those two when they were on the other side mm-hmm. um likely so maryland broke up six passes in the game will likely broke up four of them oh. i mean he's just he's absurdly good he is one of the best players in the country and Maryland fans should feel absolutely blessed to have him in College Park.
0: And to think that if he was two inches taller, he's not even in Maryland's range. Yep. There's no way he ever comes to Maryland if he's two inches taller.
1: Yep. Again, he's the best player in Florida. I mean, it's crazy.
0: It's it's crazy to think that he goes to Maryland instead, and this is already when he knew he was going to be playing in the big time, not the ACC. So that was basically uh, the game they won by a lot. Uh, it wasn't so. Again, just a quick summary. I don't think it was a horrible performance. Again, they had the struggles in the beginning of the game, but as time wore on, you're going to end up outlasting an FCS team. But what's the biggest takeaway from that game for you that should be a trend going
1: forward? Uh, I think the biggest takeaway for me is that Will Likely is a superstar. I mean, it's it's un I mean, it's unreal how good he is. I it just he only he had I think. Eight punt returns? How many? He had a lot. It was way more than he should have had if you're Richmond. Um, Yes, eight punt returns. He averaged 29.1 yards per return. That's ridiculous. And only had one return of less than 15 yards. Which was
0: one that he muffed.
1: Okay, but are you ready for a segue? Yes. Okay, here's a segue. Maryland's next opponent, Bowling Green, gave up 34 yards per punt return in (laughs) in, in week one.
0: Yes!
1: To Tennessee. So if oh, Bowling right, Green okay. decides that they're just going to punt the ball, Maryland's going to win again.
0: Uh, okay, let's talk about Bowling Green because, well, it's Maxson, and that is a blessing to everybody who's going to be going to the game next Saturday. Maxson yes. is coming to Bird Stadium, and we should all be very thankful. Uh, let the, Bowling Green had 59 hung on, on them by Tennessee. Now, Tennessee is a pretty decent team. The top 25 program? The top 25 team. That was at a neutral site. Uh, a lot of but, talent. Bowling Green kept up with them for a while. Uh, so what should we be looking for from the from Falcons when they play Maryland next week? All right,
1: here's my quick breakdown of Bowling Green. Um, they're coached by Dino Babers, who is one of the most exciting young coaches in college football. He was the head coach at FCS Eastern Illinois. Um, back when, I mean, for NFL fans, Jimmy Garoppolo was his quarterback. Ah, very good. At Eastern Illinois, and they were a very successful program. He was hired by Bowling Green last season. Um, and, uh, his star quarterback, Matt Johnson last season was injured immediately and they didn't have such a great year, but they ended strong. They went to a ball game and won their bowl game. Um, but they are known for being one of the fastest paced teams in college football. Um, they're in the 98th percentile of pace and they will really hurry it up and score a lot of points problem is they don't really have much of a defense, as shown by Tennessee's dropping 59 on them. But if Maryland can't throw the ball, it might not matter. I mean, this is going to be a a tough game. I think that Maryland winning this game would be not just, like, fine, like it is with Richmond. This would be good. Like, this is a chance for Maryland to show that it can compete with what should be a bowl team, one of the top teams in the MAC. Because even though Tennessee dropped 59 on, on Bowling Green, Tennessee, an SEC defense, gave up 30. To Bowling Green, Matt Johnson passed for 424 yards on 49 attempts. That's their star quarterback, who is now healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, he also threw for two touchdowns. Uh, Bowling Green didn't do so well on the ground. Um, they have they have uh, a running back, Fred Coppett who had a good game. But um, really, their passing game is dangerous. The defense, though, I mean, it should Maryland. You know, if you look at the rushing game, Tennessee averaged 6.2 yards a carry.
0: That's good.
1: Not only that. Tennessee ran for 399 yards. That's really good. Right. So there is the opportunity if Maryland is able to uh, keep it up in terms of the interior blocking and in terms of the power running with uh, Brandon Ross and Wes Brown. Um, things okay. should be fine. You know, it, it, it just depends. A.J. Handy can't be making the mistakes that he made. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the first game just in terms of beat balls because Bowling Green is going to stretch you around the field vertically and horizontally. So it'll be interesting. I think that if Maryland can get to Matt Johnson in the pocket, I think that there's not a chance Bowling Green has linemen that can keep up with both Yannick Ngakwe and Jesse Anibona. Between that and uh, Maryland's running game, you know, it looks good, but it's they're going to have to play well.
0: It's going to be a tougher challenge, but again, it's Maction and high-octane offense. What more could you want on Saturday at noon Seriously. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, seriously. Uh, some quick things I want to get to. Uh, first, another sports and then Big Ten. And we did get one question that is awesome. And it's specifically for you. It's more for Alex, but he's not here. Uh, Maryland men's soccer, if you didn't see it, they beat the number one ranked team in the country. They beat UCLA, Sebastian Elney, with a goal in overtime. I'm not going to say extra time. Sorry to anybody who's going to correct me on that. Uh, college soccer rules are dumb. Regardless, they won. They beat the number one ranked team. It was the largest crowd in Ludwig Field history. There was a basketball recruit there with, I think, Robert Carter and Jake Lehman, if I was reading it was
1: correctly. Kevin Hoarder. Uh
0: I, I don't know about basketball recruiting. We have people on the site for that, so I'll leave it to them. That was uh,
1: Matt, Matt Ellentuck reporting from the scene that Kevin well, Hoarder was at the game. I'll have to give him the credit for that one.
0: Uh, and also, I'm saying this because I'm calling the game. If you are listening to this on Monday, which you probably are, uh, I will be calling the game tonight against Akron on WMUC. Uh, Akron is no longer the program that they were when they had Caleb Porter and players like Darlington Nagby and DeAndre Yedlin were at, Por- or at Akron, but they just beat Georgetown. So it'll be an interesting game. Uh, you can come on out to Ludwig. It won't be probably as crowded as it was, but very exciting that Maryland, uh, won, uh, beat the number one right team. In the- if you can be the number one right team in the country in anything, it's pretty awesome, especially at home in front of a record crowd. And I think volleyball is also doing pretty well. I forgot what their record was. I saw something along. 7-0. Oh. There you go. I I see we're getting good stuff in for the for the non-reds. That's very good. Uh, if there's any other non-red stuff you want me to say, uh please tweet at me at Matt's Musics1 or uh, tell Todd and he'll tell me uh, to say this on the show. Uh some quick things around the Big Ten, uh in the Big Ten East mainly. Uh you already saw Michigan lose to Utah. That really wasn't all that much of a surprise. Uh Jake Rudolph throwing three picks. Well oh. uh Uh, Long year for Michigan?
1: Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I I think, how about this? I am much more confident in Michigan's ability to turn it around this year than Penn State's. And that is not something I was expecting to say a week ago. Ah, okay. But I, you know, I think both of those quarterbacks can turn it around. Jake Rudock made some very poor decisions, but he has the right physical tools to fit in Jim Harbaugh's offense. And Jim Harbaugh has a very promising offensive weapon in tight end, Jake, Button uh,
0: uh, yes, Twitter's favorite.
1: Yes. But um, both of them have good defenses as well. Both of those will be tough games down the stretch for Maryland, but uh, yeah, it looked, uh, it looked rough for the Michigan offense. I mean, they have the same problem, just a terrible offensive line. Uh,
0: speaking of rough, uh, it was not a great week for Rutgers. Uh, you it's it's never a good week for Rutgers, pretty much. Uh, sorry to family that likes and uh, Rutgers alums. They did beat Norfolk State by 50, although they they struggled too in the first half and then blew them out. Uh, they have the fortune, or miss, well, they have the fortune of playing Washington State, Kansas, and Indiana all in the same season. Three what? of the four biggest
1: FBS dumpster
0: fires there are.
1: How yeah, do they get so lucky? So let's. So it's Quick, who we'll do we'll they play? play? It's Kansas. They play Kansas later. Washington State. So they played the two Power Five programs that lost to FCS schools. Yes, Washington they do. State, Kansas. And, and they they that play, did. They play Illinois, who only didn't lose because Southern yeah. Illinois' two point conversion attempt went awry. Um, yeah, that's a ridiculously soft schedule. And, and the they thing is, they, they could lose to Washington State. Um, so the, the reason they could lose, because that's that's a bit of a hot take because Washington State just looked dreadful <laughs> against a bad Portland State team, is because Rutgers had five players arrested and kicked off the team this past week, including four secondary players who were supposed to be in the 2-D. Uh,
0: yeah, I know. Isn't I mean, they have,
1: they have, like, no defensive backfield anymore, and so going up against a Mike Leach offense, that could cause trouble. we'll see be- if Maryland can make them pay for that down the road. Um, but, yeah. Last game think, of the season. Yeah. It's, away away. It's, we'll see.
0: Uh, I want to get quickly. Uh, want to get your prediction on the Bowling Green game? I didn't ask you it off the top. Uh, you're gonna probably post it later on the website, but for yeah, podcast listeners, probably uh, change too. Well, well, knowing how you predicted Maryland's record would be, and how I predicted Maryland's, <laughs> Maryland's record was gonna look like on my own radio show, shame, more shameless plugging. I said seven and five. Uh, now I'm thinking that they could actually get eight and four. Regardless, I'm do they thinking, beat Bowling? So. Do they beat Bowling Green on Saturday?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so, but I think it's it's close. I would say like um, off the top of my head, something like thirty-eight, thirty-one.
0: That wouldn't be surprising. It certainly will be. It certainly will be fun. And uh, if you are a new student at this esteemed university that we all know and love so much, if you're going to the games, and yes, it was hot. It's hot in Maryland in September. If you didn't realize that. Please stay beyond halftime. I mean, it looks better on TV. It looks better when uh, Maryland beat writers like yourself and uh, and, uh, not just you, but uh, our friend Roman Stubbs and many others, when they're taking pictures from the press box and it sees just swaths of metal bleachers. uh, Stick beyond halftime, would you please? Just to It's It's
1: not – I don't know if you saw Vanderbilt. Um, Vanderbilt this weekend hosted Western Kentucky and were outpopulated by Western Kentucky fans. Oh, so that's, that's a bit embarrassing. Maryland's not at that level. So, well, again, always it, could be worse.
0: It, it, it could always be worse, yes. We were losing to Richmond, but it could always be worse. <laughs> thank you, Pete, for joining me on this uh, odd podcast. Sorry about the days and the schedule. It's all me. It's all my fault. I'm busy all this week. But next week we'll be back recording on Mondays uh, with more people, probably. Uh, thank you, Pete. Uh, you sounded like you had a very good time this weekend. I did. It was a fun weekend of college football. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Even though I'll admit I tried to watch rugby. I was watching the U.S. Uh, against Australia. Rugby oh. World Cup starting shortly. Cool. We uh, can
1: talk about that another time. I've yes watched we plenty can. of rugby,
0: uh, in rugby. I'm trying to watch the Rugby World Cup. I'm trying to get into it. It's going right. to be very entertaining. Uh, Maryland does have a decent uh, club rugby program. More, more plugs. Uh, thank you for listening.
1: As uh, This was Diversion the Podcast. Uh, of course. Go Terps.